Welcome to the Saints of San Francisco podcast, where we dive into work, faith, and fulfillment. This is a podcast for the modern Christian professional. I'm your host, Isaac Hall. Welcome back, Saints, to Saints Worldwide. We had a logo change and uh, Alex, you lucked out because you are the first episode after we're changing the logo, oh, wow. uh, and also the name of the podcast. Um, but Saints, today we have Alex Hong. Really cool because uh, Alex and I met at the gym randomly, and we realized that we were part of the same Hong clan. It's called Namyang Hongshi, so we're we're the same Hong. I haven't met the same Hong in. Ever actually, so I thought that was really interesting. So we met at the gym, San Francisco. He's obviously a lot younger than me. Gen Z, just graduated from college, moved up to San Francisco, and he is now working at a startup. Uh, also, does photography for uh, DJs that perform at different events and venues uh, stateside, I believe. Right, Alex? Did you did you ever perform? Or did you ever um, go to an event to like take pictures for that event outside of uh, the U.S.? No, just in the U.S., mostly like the West Coast and Hawaii. That's all. Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're really big into lifting. Um, and then you're into photography and you're working at a startup. So that is like high level, the top three things that I know about you, Alex, other than you're a good guy, but you have a really big temper. So um, I'm going to allow you to do a short intro to introduce yourself. All right. Uh, hello, everyone on this podcast. My name is Alex. I am 23 years old, born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, like Isaac mentioned, uh, moved into San Francisco last October during like the whole COVID pandemic. Uh, graduated May in 2020, also during the peak of the pandemic. So, you know, Jeez. I'm just trying to enjoy my life right now and uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, Alex. And I think it's really cool to have you on because it's, you know, one, to get a younger generation's kind of perspective on, you know, things that's happening in the world. Uh, two, you're from Hawaii and, uh, you know, you, you call us mainlanders, right? Like it's, 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 you know, you guys are still part of the U.S. You guys are still a state. Uh, yeah, but you guys are on an island in the Pacific Ocean away from whatever degenerate stuff we're doing here in the States. So uh, in the mainland. Um, so I think that perspective is pretty unique uh, because I'm sure there's a lot of things uh, in between the cracks where, um, you know, in terms of like slang or culture or traditions could be very different even between Hawaii and California and three you grew up Catholic and for me I was Presbyterian Christian my whole life um, and and so that's pretty interesting to have someone who's uh, Korean Catholic come on to the podcast so before we begin and we let the ladies I mean the audience know uh, a little bit more about you Alex we're going to do a quick icebreaker game so I'm going to say uh, two words um and then you choose which answer which word you prefer and you just say the word you got it sounds good awesome all right you ready yep cool black or white black breakfast or dinner dinner 
Cocktail or shots? Cocktail. Thick or thin? Thick. Older or younger? Younger. Lifting or running? Lifting. Photography or videography? Photography. Cute or hot? Hot. Coffee or tea? Tea. Burgers or tacos? Tacos. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountain? Beach. Club or bookstore? Club. Mercy or justice? Justice. <laughs> good one, good one. Yeah, I had a feeling about like, I was trying to guess which ones you would have chosen even before uh, you, you answered the questions. Like when I was like writing out these uh, icebreaker questions and then um, I think I got, I'm like pretty much 100%. Wow, good job. You know me pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's only like 15 questions, so. (laughs) All right, Hawaiian boy, Gen Z, 23 years old. Hot and single. Just kidding. Alex is taken um, by some girl in LA. But yeah, I think it was really cool to meet you. Um, A lot of municipal cities or big cities attract people from all walks of life, all demographics, you know, rage, uh, not rage, sorry, race, age, um, profession, you know, interests, uh, stories, backgrounds. So um, it was really interesting to meet you at the gym and, and find out that like, we don't really have much in common other than the fact that like we gym and we're Korean. So, you know, starting off with Hawaii, you know, what's the biggest difference between Hawaiians and mainlanders, you think? Good question. Um, I feel like I get that question asked a lot, especially like when I meet new people. They're like, oh, like, what's the difference that you found? Do you guys have internet there? I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, it's a state. <laughs> but overall, I think the biggest culture difference that I've always noticed is kind of like the collectivism that I grew up with and kind of this whole feeling of community that's kind of just innate and around in Hawaii. By that, I just mean like when I first moved to like California, for example, I felt that a lot of people were kind of out for their own blood or like out for their own kind of click. Whereas in Hawaii, I feel like the feeling is more like everyone, even strangers can be like a good friend to you or someone Uh, you can turn to as a resource or just guidance. And I think that was the thing that I was kind of not stuck on, but noticing a lot more with my interactions with people, especially in like LA where it's a cutthroat world, you know, people trying to, climb the ladder of social economic status, people using each other as like stepping stones. Yeah. Definitely a new perspective for me and kind of challenging my own like growing up styles. And, but at the same time, it made me very thankful for how I was like born and raised. Cause I feel like the friends I have, at least in Hawaii were very different from the typical people you would see in like the mainland as we call it. Yeah. Those are very good points and interesting points. So were you kind of jaded when you came or were you still able to maintain that, that semblance of like family, Ohana, uh, helping each other out, like the next man or woman next to you? Um, was that something like a value that's still instilled within you or, you know, being in California for some time for college and then now for work in San Francisco has that, uh, I guess, value kind of changed? I would say yes and no. Um, I think I'm more selective or more careful with how much I would go out for like a stranger or someone who is not as close, maybe like an acquaintance or like the outer circle of friends you might have. 
yeah. I think overall that's been such a great value that I've grown up with and I want to instill into others and, you know, lead by example is one way. So I think that regardless of how life might throw negativity at you, it's always good to kind of keep that sense of community because at the end of the day, mm. like your network is just this really powerful. And if people recognize you as this reliable source, then you have so much more power and just, you know, overall stability with your life and your social circles. And just, you know, it's just nice. Like if you can be anything, why not be nice, right? Yeah, that's true, man. Agreed. And, and, and a lot of people forget that like networks are, powerful and not in the sense of like the LA type of network yeah, more exactly. like the family type of network where you have your ride or dies or a good group of homies or friends that is, is there for you kind of to, to the end, having, you know, some loose sense of, of, of that. Um, obviously like as you get older, it's going to be more difficult to uh, maintain uh, that level of friendship, unless like you stay in your hometown and all your friends do, but even so, I feel like, like you said, you could still retain um, some of that camaraderie um, and that that like deep, deeply integrated network that you're referring to. Um, so, yeah, I, I mentioned that you went to school here. Could you, because you originally went to school in Oregon and then ended up in L.A. for school and then you ended up in San, San Francisco. So could you talk a little bit about that journey from Oregon, LA, your experiences in LA and in SF? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, you're right. Originally, I did go to college in Oregon for like my freshman year and the first half of sophomore year. Um, I think that the thing that turned me away from Oregon was number one, the weather, you know, it's constant rain isn't my kind of thing, especially growing up where it's always sunny and hot. Number two, I think my life goal or at least my career goal kind of changed from being in Oregon. At first, I was very into the whole sports marketing scene, you know, trying to work with Nike and Adidas. But after spending some time in Los Angeles because of someone I was seeing back then, I was really uh, inclined to move there, not because of the relationship, but more because the the lifestyle and the atmosphere that I got from Southern California. So I did end up transferring to Loyola Marymount back in my second year, my second half of sophomore year. And from there, kind of got to experience it's completely new lifestyle, different from Oregon, different from Hawaii. And I think um, to touch on your point of me constantly moving everywhere, I think yeah. it's just a way of me to challenge my growth and putting myself in these like not comfort zones. So it really helps my self-development. Um, yeah. For example, um, in Los Angeles, when I was going to school, I purposely moved away from the campus and any like friends I may have and met yeah. total strangers and live with them about like 25 minutes off campus so that oh, I could wow. kind of prioritize more on myself, learning how to grow, meeting different people who are in different life stages. Um, all my housemates were, uh, I got like two, three years at least older than me. So it definitely provided new angles into challenges they may have. And they definitely give some good life advice. So I think overall with my decisions in life has always the backbone behind all my decisions have been like self-growth and challenging myself and looking for new opportunities one way or another. Yeah, that's good. That's good, man. Um, what a journey. Uh, but I feel like the consistent theme behind all of that was, I think, a lot of intentionality, thoughtfulness, consideration right. um, about how you want it to grow. So I haven't done much research on Gen Z and, and you know, if, if uh, you Gen Zers listening to this podcast, if you guys get upset, then like, don't at me. It's like, I, I honestly don't like look too much into, you know, like the generational differences or like you're, you know, you're a boomer, you're a millennial, you're a Gen Zer. And I don't know what's below Gen Z. 
it's just like for me at the end of the day age is a number and you are who you are as an individual and you know it's up to you to kind of like pave your own path or like fall into these little buckets that you call generations but i i totally get it and so you gotta get me up to speed alex it seems like there's a lot of similarities between us especially on how we approach uh, life decisions in terms of like moving learning gaining new experiences uh, elevating ourselves in different um, angles and, and different ways but uh, i'm pretty sure there's a lot of differences so uh you're a young guy so d- could you name a few like big differences that you maybe see not that you hang out with you know older folks too much but um what what makes gen z gen z it, uh, or is that just kind of like a cop-out question? That's a great question. Um, I think the thing that makes Gen Z had just been our integration with social media and technology. I think that's the biggest factor behind how we communicate nowadays. And yeah. I think that also divides a lot of the generations. Um, for instance, if you look at the boomers and you know millennial age, they're more t- towards not using social media at all, very like face-to-face communication. They grew up in that sense. And they kind of didn't really have this stigma of social media and kind of the mental health kind of side effects that come with it. Whereas I feel like the younger generations have always grown up with it and technology has been so prominent that I think it does alter a lot of ways people interact or view self-worth, for instance. Um, One example could be towards looking at Instagram and looking at how studies have shown it affects body image and mental health. So I feel like in terms of the Gen Z difference, it's just that we're a lot more, I guess not cynical, but more analytical about different things that the older generations may not have to worry about or have to care about. But I feel like that also provides a lot of insight and learning opportunities for those generations when they do interact like you and I are right now. Yeah. So on the macro, do you think it's it's helped or hurt you? Um, because I, I get what you're saying. Now you guys are hyper-focused on social media and t- technology and you know, there's platforms like Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok that um, is, is a constant in your life, right? It's like an absolute, like you, it's very hard to avoid that or not be exposed to it. Um, so on one, one end of the spectrum, um, you guys are a little bit more sussed out and, you know, more analytical about, you know, what social media platforms and all of these apps can provide and how much harm it could cause. But at the same time, there's this other part of like, hey, that just means that you guys are, you know, do more research and are more thoughtful and can navigate through uh, social media apps and platforms in a way that could be more helpful, not harmful. But in the aggregate, do you think for the Gen Z uh, generation, it's, it's, you guys are put in a better place or not put in a better place because of all of this technology and all of this social media stuff integrated into your lives. Right. I think on the overall spectrum, I mean, I feel like it's just very hard to say majority it's beneficial majority it's harming because social media is definitely a double-edged sword and it affects different people in different ways. And it's kind of how you go about it. Um, On the one end, if you're self-aware about the negative effects and you're also aware of the positive effects, you can kind of hone that to your own advantage and utilize the good without necessarily suffering from the bad. Yeah. But but at the same time, if you're just overexposed and not necessarily understanding how to deal with the negatives that may come with it, I think that it can be overpowering to some. 
And that's the area where you kind of have to either learn how to navigate it or just completely get off of it because it's just going to be a detriment to your life. So it's really hard to pin it on like an absolute or like, you know, on a macro level, like is social media good for the younger generations? Because I just yeah. feel like there's a lot of factors to it. Yeah, uh, definitely understandable. So let's just uh, dive in a little bit deeper and go more granular. So what's your personal experience been like with social media apps? Like, have you dealt with um, issues such as like, you know, like mental or uh, I guess emotional issues because you're always comparing, you know, uh, on, on social media or have you been able to use it as a tool to expand your um, you know, creativity, uh, especially with photography, um, or is it a combination of both? Yeah. Um, good question. I think, um, to speak on that, I want to talk more about the positives I had with it at first. Um, social media has been a great way for me as a photographer to one, get my word work out, have a portfolio to build a network. I think a lot of the people I met in California have been through social media and a lot of good connections oh, that I still keep are from social yeah. media itself. Is this but, specifically yeah. from Instagram? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. My main platform is Instagram. So everything I'll be talking about is speaking on that platform itself. Oh, okay. But yeah, um, I would say my experience has been both sides um, in a sense that I get more inspiration from the people or content I may be seeing. However, it wasn't always the case like this way. I mm -hmm. think in my early years of using social media more as like a photography spotlight, I definitely felt that pressure of comparison and not being good enough and not seeing my work or just my life as as good as it should be. Yeah. And I think from that point, it was important that you can make that decision to take a step back and look at things zoomed out and yeah. understand that social media is just a highlight reel of people. And at the end of the day, you should be only comparing your work to yourself because that's the yeah. only thing that matters. So I feel like for some people, that's the part where it gets to them. And that's when they face those mental blockades. But I was thankful enough to have a support system as well as kind of develop that self-awareness self to kind of use that social media as a good platform and trying to push away the bad and develop my brand further. Got it, got it. So do you, do you think um, at a personal and maybe at a... Uh, more societal level for Gen Zers, the 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 big uh, elephant in the room that needs to be addressed, or like things like uh, consistent things that your generation deals with is is that like um, lack of confidence, comparisons, uh, competing with things that are aren't realistic uh, on social media. Is that is that kind of like the main uh, I guess obstacle for a lot of kids your age? I would say, yeah, I mean, a lot of kids my age and younger definitely are now stuck in this new realm where this is such a new prominent thing that wasn't effective before. And I think that just through further education and experience, we can kind of navigate it all together. But it's definitely a difficult and kind of scary path to be walking alone, which ties into, you know, just finding good friends and being able to work on yourself and see that there is some benefit to social media in general. But I would say that Overall, the quote-unquote elephant in the room might just be, are we better off without it? But again, to each their own, there's so many different pros and cons you can swing in this story. So it really is about perspective, I think. Yeah, man. So, I mean, going, going, going from that, it's like the reason why I'm Christian is that even if I didn't have a lot of friends or even friends at all, 
I would turn to God, right? God is a consistent, an absolute source in my life, you know, a guiding light for me to turn to and converse with. And, you know, people who aren't Christian will understand that, but I think it's a beautiful thing to always have this omnipotent presence in your corner, uh, kind of on your squad, on your team. Um, so you, you were raised Catholic, right? And then both your, of your parents were Catholic growing up. Yep. Correct. Awesome. And did you go out to church and stuff and like mass every Sunday? Wow. So, so was this from probably when you could remember going to church when you're younger, all the way up until at least like senior year of high school, right? Um, I would say my, I guess, story journey with faith and Catholicism has been very interesting. Um, I did grow up in the church, you know, the whole baptism thing. And I did go to church every Sunday from like the young age I can remember to probably like middle schoolish. Yeah. And, and I think around that time is where I felt like a disconnect from religion and faith in itself. Yeah. Um, I think that the choice of religion is always good and people should have that decision to either follow faith or not. You know, yeah. everyone should believe what they want. But I think I never had that like autonomy growing up. Yeah. I was kind of just yeah. put into this religion like you have to believe. So I felt like there was a point in like late middle school, early high school where I just sure. realized that, hey, I never like signed up for this. I never got a say in like who to follow or like got to understand the scope of everything in, in itself. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's when I kind of just turned away from faith for a while. Mm. And then um, to continue that story, um, just like I think in college, my first year, I did meet a lot of people who are in that Christian Catholic scope in Oregon. And that kind of helped me rediscover faith. But yeah. it was only because I could rediscover it on my own terms, on my accord, as opposed right. to having it kind of shoved as a lifestyle choice. Got it. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. I think that's very... Even with like my generation, Alex, that's a similar thing. Um, but so how... Where are you now with the faith, if you don't mind me asking? Um, and, and how does it impact your principles, values, lifestyle, and decisions now? Mm -hmm. I think um, subconsciously, all my principles and like lifestyle, like that kind of mentality has been backed by some form of religion because the beliefs and kind of moral values I have have been bestowed upon me by like family and they're yeah. heavily religious. So of course, okay. there's that lingering like artifact of faith. Where uh, myself speaking, I think that, of course, I still believe in like there's a God and there's like, you know, someone to up there, just some presence outside of our scope of understanding. But I think the main thing with me is like I can see it as a learning lesson. I can take all the biblical stories and kind of teachings as itself, you know, just hear some ideas for how to live your best life and how to be a good person. Yeah. But I want to be very proactive in how I handle things. Hmm. And I, I think that's the part where make some people might say no or like disagree or cause like controversy is that like, I know like prayer is very important, but I think that all the times in my life where I was like down probably, you know, the hardest and I prayed, nothing happened until I was the one to kind of take that mental shift for myself and be proactive about it. Mm. And I think that's, that's the part where people have some, you know, criticism about, but I want to hear your thoughts on that too. Yeah, could you could you rephrase that question for me, as in mm -hmm. like um, kind of like direct the question? Yeah, so um, I would say prayer is very strong. I I'm not you know shake, shaking that off as like a thing, but a lot of the times where I have prayed, there has been no result in one way or another. So I think that is shaking me away from that and being more 
actively participant in my quote I guess fate, destiny, life path, whatever you want to call it. So how would you say that's kind of affected the modern day religious folk? And do you think that's a big trend or common theme among those who shy away from religion and faith? That's a great question. I think, uh, I think I can only probably talk about myself because it really depends on your personality, who you grew up with, background, uh, what you do for your work. Um, so all of that's involved. But I do believe that there is a pattern right now of, hey, God, I've prayed X, Y, Z prayers. I've done this and that. And you're not granting my wishes. And so I will take this under my own control and do what is practical and necessary to accomplish my dreams and goals or whatever it is. And uh, if you're there, you're there. If you're not, I'm still going through with it. I completely understand that angle and, and that perspective of where people are coming from. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the principles I live by is uh, work, work like God doesn't exist. Uh, and pray like you cannot do anything without God. And I think those two extremes um, kind of patch the gaps for me of like, if you can empathize and think about God, and it's very, it's impossible to do so because he's an omnipresent, omniscient person. Like we can't fathom what he's thinking, what he's feeling because we're just mortal human beings with a certain set IQ and EQ, right? But with that said, if I could empathize with God in his position, I would think who, who is this little speck on this planet that I've created? Who is this creation of mine to immediately ask for things of me and expect in a short period of time for me to grant it? And if I don't grant it, then they'll turn away from me, you know? So for me, I think growing up, I used to be like that, ask for prayers. And if the prayers don't get a quick fix, or if I don't get an answer from God, at least good or bad, then I'll be like, well, I'll few, man. Like I'm going to take this under my own control. But I think from that, you know, I've realized two things. It's like one, we don't, God doesn't work on our time. And God doesn't work on our schedule. God works on his schedule and his time. And as a creator, I believe that there is a grand blueprint, a grand design for our lives that he's already planned out, good with bad, that no matter what we do as mortal human beings, we won't be able to shake off. It is, you know, so to speak, our destiny with a little bit of, you know, our own will and and, and us uh, charging forth and creating a new one that's could be different from what God had originally planned for us. You know, it's like the quintessential story of Adam and Eve. He planned this whole thing out. Eve decided to eat from, um, you know, this tree, you know, the for, forbidden fruit. So they gained a lot of knowledge and then they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, right? So I think one is that point of we work on God's time and who are we to question that? But two, you never want to put yourself in a practical situation where all you have is prayer. I think prayer is first and foremost very important. Uh, prayer life is important for different reasons. Um, and, and those reasons I won't go over. But I do think prayer helps. And uh, prayer is something that you should do on a daily basis just for your own spiritual, mental, emotional health. 
But beyond that, I think it's stupid to then say, oh, since prayer is helpful, I am going to rely completely on prayer so that that is my last resort. That is my trick up my sleeve. That is the last card that I'm going to be dealt. That is, you know, my uh, trick in the bag, whatever it may be. I think you're putting yourself in a very precarious situation to um, get this thing, this this action that we call prayer, and then use that as an end-all, be-all, catch-all tool to either use as a band-aid or use as some kind of tool to get from one side to, to the other. I don't think that's what prayer was meant for. And so when I see people who rely purely on prayer or that prayer is going to get them out of their situations, then, you know, you're kind of uh, in a losing battle there. So I will, what I would say is pray as hard as you can and believe in those prayers, but also pragmatically do what you need to in the physical realm to the best of your ability uh, so that you can use a combination of both, both pragmatism and prayer to accomplish the goals and the dreams that you have. And, you know, stemming from that real life situations come out where it's like, I, I had a really good friend named David in college, freshman year, lived with him, coolest guy ever, never would hurt a fly, always elevated other people. And God gave him cancer and he passed away. Uh, right after he got, graduated college. And my prayer was when he was going through that situation, like, God, he's like your son. Why would you want him to not do his duty of growing out your kingdom here on earth um, before you take him away? That makes no sense. So I prayed and prayed and prayed. You're, you're going to, you know, bring a miracle and he's going to be cured. He's going to be healed of his cancer. And he didn't do that. Right. But then I could say, I could throw a tantrum and say, God, you are not God. If you were, you would have saved him. But this is only mortal human logic. Who, who knows what God planned for him in heaven? Who, who knows why he decided to do that? I think, one, it's not for us to question, you know, what God has planned. It's within our power and within our own destiny to do the best we can to support our friends who are going through cancer, to do our research on cancer, to create GoFundMes to support their parents uh, financially and emotionally when they're seeing their son kind of wither away. Um, but I don't think it's for us to play God. It's for us to play human, which is pray like there is a God, but do everything in our power um, with the thinking of, there is no God, if that makes sense. I uh, don't know if I answered your question or if you had anything to say with, to that. No, yeah, um, good points. I think what you said about praying just being a regular thing, I think a lot of people use it as like a mindful moment, you know? I think that's a good practice of prayer. But I do think that there are a lot of people where I've seen growing up in my reality where they see it as, oh, just pray and you'll be fine, which definitely mm -hmm. alters my worldview, of course. And not anyone's fault necessarily, you know, it just exposure changes your life scope and exposure to things is how you kind of develop your opinions and ideology. Yeah. So, so I'm not, you know, saying one thing's right versus another, but I think the biggest argument that comes from a lot of people is that if there is this good plan and if God is so great, why does he kill like the good people, right? I think that's a big, big, big thing a lot of people say. Yeah. And I think some people have, at least from what I've seen, have been very like cynical and saying like, that's just God's plan. He was meant to die at the age of 12, or, you know, he was meant to have his like whole parent, whole family like murdered. But 
I feel like those people are taking religion to an extreme and kind of not, they're kind of doing the opposite of what you want. They're losing empathy, you know? They're saying yeah, this was, this was yeah. a plan, but they're forgetting the reality they live in, the human world. And they, they don't understand that they can pray and this thing happened and they can say it's God's will. But what about the people that are left with the remains of the, the action, you know? And they kind of just yeah. turn them away and say, why are you sad? You know, it's just, it's just life. It's just how God intended. And I think that just like something that a lot of people touch on with prayer and religion, at least. And that, that, that I think shies people away a lot. I get what you're saying. Jadedness and also whitewashing of like, Hey, like jadedness on one side of like, Hey, if something bad happens, you turn away from God or for people who just like whitewash every calamity or catastrophe and say, Hey, like it was under God's will. But I think another thing to bring up, it's sometimes not God, right? If there is good, then logically there has to be evil because without evil, there's no good. Um, and I think people forget that there, there is, you know, I believe in Satan or if it's not Satan, some kind of presence that I wouldn't say is evil, but goes against the very nature of God. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you could think of it that way, it's not that Satan comes and sabotages everyone and creates these volcanic eruptions or tidal waves or allow serial killers to go into people's homes and, and kill families. Right. But at the same time, I do think that there is a yin and yang, a good and a bad uh, justice uh, versus injustice. And I think that there is a counterbalance that a lot of people don't think about, right? Um, so I think that comes into play a lot of the times too with unnatural things, with disease, famine, and illness, violence. Um, there's a different source, right? People are complex creatures and this, you know, mother nature is complex. There's a lot of beautiful things about it, but a lot of things that are also dangerous and unfair. Uh, um, so I think there's, two sides of the coin so i think it is also unfair to say you know god like if you're so omnipresent omniscient and you could you know change the world in a blink of an eye if you snap your fingers why don't you do that well there is hell there's a heaven and there's a hell and obviously heaven beats hell high level but that doesn't mean that hell can manipulate the world and influence the world in ways um, where like God might not be able to stop that kind of activity, you know? So I think all in all, those are very good macro questions, but I think the good point is because you have a lot of prudence, um, and a lot of discretion is like, you can't fall into both camps and you can't be two ends of the extreme and you have to use your prudence and your discretion to pick out what's true to you and what makes sense to you and what speaks to you and what's logical to you. Um, and that takes a lot, a lot of time, a lot of experience, a lot of failures, successes and, and wisdom. Um, so yeah. And, and I guess that goes to a question that I want to ask you, Alex is like, Hey, like what's your own personal views on work on god on friendships and romantic relationships are any of them heavily influenced by catholicism and how you're brought up or is it is it uh, more influenced by like friends social life family yeah um a lot of things to touch on there i think the biggest thing is that you know to all the people listening don't let 
someone else create your destiny. Don't let someone else tell you what to do. You can find what you believe is right and you can carve out your narrative from these teachings. And, you know, I mean, some might say play it strict by the book, but I'm a firm believer of everyone has their choice. Everyone has the ability to make their own decisions. And from that, you achieve more happiness, whereas you can just listen on to someone and do what they want, but that's what they want and not what you want. So transitioning into your question poorly, um, I would say my viewpoints on, you know, the whole work relationship, family, friends have been mostly from religious teachings for sure, because Again, um, my family's views and morals have some basis in religion and faith. So I think the whole, you know, love thy neighbor, eye for an eye kind of thing, the principles are there as a baseline. However, yeah. I think the influences come from my own experiences and my own decisions as a, you know, fully normal, fully capable adult to make my own choices in life. And mm. an example of that could be... Um, Let's let's think. Example of that just could could just be you know, um, like let's say gay marriage for example. A lot of orthodox, super religion religious people are very against it. But I think there's love is love, you know. And even in the old Bible, like there's misconceptions with what is actually translated from the olden times to now. So I think in that sense, you can't really blame people for being yeah. homophobic because again, reality is based on the media you consume, the things you understand, the things you perceive. Yeah. But I think there's always a teachable element to every single thing, including, you know, the opposite ends of the spectrum. So yeah. Yeah, um, going yeah. off of like returning back to like the whole question about how do my views on work and all that relate to anything, I would say there's faith and religion involved, but there's also a sense of my own learnings and my teachings from what I can see and what, how I've experienced life that alter that in one way or another. Hmm. That's a good answer. Um, yeah, I think that's another, uh, pattern or observation that I've noticed. And I think it's, it's been prevalent in our conversation right now as well, Alex, of you guys are um, very intentional and um, prudent and diligent in terms of doing your due diligence and kind of like taking things in, but not with, not for what it is, not being naive, but saying, Hey, there's like two sides to this coin some good, some bad, some in the middle. Let me extract the information based on the data that I have and kind of analyze it and ingest it and create and formulate my own uh, thoughts, opinions, uh, values, um, et cetera, uh, about this particular situation or trend or cultural difference or whatever right, exactly. it is. So, yeah, I think, um, what's the word for this? Not cynical. Cynical, there's a bad tone to that, but... <laughs> Uh, bad we'll connotation, that. but yeah, just uh, man, I'll, I'll get back to it um, and I'll drop it into the yeah, the word will come. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess we're coming towards like 45, 50 minutes. So this is the question I've been asking you. You know, I don't want to mention my age, but I am completely fine with it and I love being my age. And you know, a lot of people say now that 30 is a new 20. I, I kind of believe it based on my own <laughs> maturity level as well hey man, i feel like i'm 18 <laughs> i mean Keep isn't that what millennials do <laughs> but anyways like i'm not afraid of age i'm not afraid of dying i think it's a beautiful thing in life to age so i i do know that we're six years apart um and you know six years 
is it's a drop in the bucket if you think about life as a whole. But in terms of your 20s, six years is a long period of time. So I'm wondering, before we end this session for Saints Worldwide, what where do you see yourself in the next six years? Oh, man, you're hitting me with like a, a job interview question here. Uh, you know, six years from now, you know, it's very. at first I thought it was very hard to even perceive, you know, a year or six months just with the whole pandemic going on. Yeah. But I think over time I've learned to kind of not necessarily see the future, but I know what I want in six years, you know. I can't necessarily say everything will go to plan or say everything will be what I perceive in six years, but I know that yeah. in six years' time I would hope to work towards, you know, a nice job, stable income, financial freedom, health for my parents and friends around me, and just being a better version of myself. And I think you can set those long-term goals for six years, but it's about day by day, how I approach every single day, week, month, year leading up to that will make all the difference. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, it's it's more general and broad than I thought it was. Not that that's bad, but usually like Gen Zers are like really into, um, you know, like being the next inventor or the next founder. So it's kind of like, I don't know, relieving or refreshing to, to hear you just say like, Hey, what I want is financial freedom. So I don't have to worry about money, health for people I care about and just bettering myself. So being a better me at 29 than at 23 and I think you have a lot of wisdom in the fact that like six years is a short period of time, but it's also long. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of that change comes incrementally. So it's like, Hey, what am I doing every day? That's different. And how am I iterating based on the previous day to be a better version of myself? So it's not, you know, a jump from 23 to 29. And now I'm this or that it's, Hey, what are the daily things that I'm intentionally doing from 23 365 days to 24 to 25 and all of those days in aggregate will slowly change yourself for the better by 29. So, um, very wise words, um, coming from someone who's so young, I don't think I was thinking the same way when I was 23. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but fairly impressed since, you know, most weekends we just work out and you just party. So just kidding. Give me, give me some slack here. <laughs> <laughs> you are 23. It's the perfect age to be in San Francisco and partying, especially after the pandemic. So, well, Alex, it was a pleasure to have you on this platform. Um, is there like a plug or an IG handle or a portfolio that you want to throw out that the audience, the saints can look into or that you, you want them to see? Um, not, it's totally fine, but. I think I'll just leave with, you know, like, a, a lesson from a 23 year old, you know, or at least something I try to do to everyone listening, you know, um, life may be hard, but the best thing you can do for yourself is just to try improve 1% of yesterday. You owe it to yourself to make yourself the best version of yourself. Ooh, so, you know, it's just 1%. That's all you, that's all you need to do. And I think everyone listening can definitely achieve that. Yeah. I don't know about you saints, but he's definitely preaching to the choir from me that, that, that speaks to my soul. So Thanks a lot for that, Alex. I think a lot of people need to hear that, especially coming out of the pandemic or quarantine. Um, and, and people are now going into 
full recovery mode to survive and now thrive. So with that said, Saints, we're tuning out. Alex Hong, my blood brother, my blood relative from Hawaii, now in San Francisco. Thanks for coming on, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Hey Saints, thanks for tuning in. We'll be releasing episodes on the first three Saturdays of every month. See you soon.